You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from Psalm 4. Answer me when I call my saving God. When troubles hem me in, set me free. Take pity on me, hear my prayer. How long, O people, will you be hard of heart? Why do you love what is worthless, chase after lies? Know that the Lord works wonders for his faithful one. The Lord hears when I call out to him. Tremble and sin no more. Weep bitterly within your hearts. Wail upon your beds. Offer fitting sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many say, may we see better times. Lord, show us the light of your face but you have given my heart more joy than they have when grain and wine abound. In peace I will lie down and fall asleep, for you alone, Lord, make me secure. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and what a delight to entertain together the topic of happiness. Are you happy? Do you want to be happy? Do you think it is possible for you to be happy? What conditions would need to be satisfied for you to be perfectly happy. It is so interesting that in the middle of his treatment of the topic of happiness in his Summa Theologiae, St. Thomas Aquinas denies the possibility of being perfectly happy in this life. Can you believe it? We might want to violently protest his claim and instead be reassured that it is possible to be perfectly happy in this life. But perhaps what St. Thomas says is more reassuring than the frantic pursuit of an illusion that tends to frustrate us on a daily basis. So let's dive into the thought world of St. Thomas Aquinas in order to come to a clearer understanding of happiness and its possibilities. To begin the first part of the second part of his masterpiece, the Sua Theologiae, St. Thomas inquires into what end the human being was made for. What terminus? What is the terminal of our existence, our final destination, the reason for which God made us? What is the terminus, the end? In Greek, the word is telos, the goal, the ultimate purpose and meaning of our lives. So he asks about this. And St. Thomas 
determines that there is a universal end for which all human beings were created and toward which all human beings strive. That is, the end that we call happiness is really the same for all of us. So what is this highly coveted end that we call happiness? In Latin, the word is beatudino. And the second question within his treatise on happiness St. Thomas asks about the things in which happiness consists. In other words, what is the thing or things that make us happy, that constitute the very meaning of happiness? What is this thing, or what are these things? And St. Thomas asks very candidly then, does human happiness consist of wealth? Does it consist of honors? How about glory or fame? What about power or the goods of the body or one of the highest contenders, pleasure? What about even a spiritual good of the soul? How about, he asks, any created good whatsoever? And to all these questions, St. Thomas responds in the negative. He argues that human happiness does not consist in any of these things. Can you believe it? Not wealth, not honors, not glory or fame, not power, not any goods of the body, not pleasure, not all the pleasures the world can afford, not even a spiritual good of the soul. Nothing, no created good whatsoever is happiness. We do all these crazy things to pursue happiness. How many of us may buy a lottery ticket on occasion or frequently (laughs) thinking that, oh, if I only had a million dollars or more, I would be happy. If my life was filled with honors, I'd be happy. If I was famous, I'd be happy. If I was powerful and could tell all these people what to do, I'd be happy. If I have perfect health and all the goods of the body, all the accoutrements of the flesh, maybe I'd be happy. And pleasure, this pleasure that never seems to keep its promises. If I was filled with pleasure, constant pleasure, ongoing pleasure, very high degrees of pleasure, maybe that would be happiness. Or even in the spiritual life, if I'm filled with all these spiritual delights and consolations, maybe then I'd be happy. Isn't happiness somewhere to be found on the face of the earth? If I travel here or there or eat this or that or save up X amount of dollars or enjoy a certain degree of pleasure, would I then be happy? St. Thomas says no, 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 no. No to all of these things and his arguments are tremendous. So I encourage you to read this whole treatise on happiness that he writes in this first part of the second part of his Summa Theologiae. But we're going to focus in this episode, within this treatise, on question 5, article 3, where St. Thomas asks if someone can be happy in this life. His answer? Well, let's follow his line of argument. So I'm just going to read the text and comment on it as we go along. So first part of the second part, Question 5, Article 3. Can someone be happy in this life? St. Thomas is a masterful thinker because he'll begin his answer to every question he asks with the very response against which he ultimately argues. 
So first he says that it seems that happiness can be possessed in this life. Even though in the end he's going to argue, we know from his pattern, going to argue that happiness cannot be possessed in this life. But first he's going to put forward three good arguments based in Christian theology that it would seem that we could possess happiness in this life. Now this is coming after he's already made his rebuttals against the question whether pleasure grants us happiness or wealth or honors, fame, power, and so on. So he says, okay, can someone be happy in this life? Yes, he says, quoting Psalm 118 verse 1, Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. There we have a proof from scripture, he says. Now that can happen in this life, that someone's way is blameless and walks in the law of the Lord. Therefore, someone can be happy in this life, he says. Second, imperfect participation in the supreme good still counts as happiness. Otherwise, one person would not be happier than another. And human beings can participate in the highest good, that is God, albeit imperfectly in this life, by knowing and loving God. Therefore, human beings can be happy in this life. So he's saying even partially knowing and loving God grants us happiness, does it not? And this is a big deal for St. Thomas Aquinas, thinking especially about two of the major higher faculties of the soul, the intellect and the will. For the intellect to know God, this is happiness. For the will to love God, this is happiness. So he's saying... In this life, cannot we admit at least of an imperfect participation in the supreme good of knowing and loving God? He says, yes, we can. Therefore, one could be happy in this life. Third, what many people say cannot be completely false. After all, it seems that what is in many is natural and nature does not go completely astray. Now, many people think there is happiness in this life, as is evident from Psalm 143, verse 15. They have called the people happy who have these things, meaning the goods of the present life. Therefore, someone can be happy in this life. So he's calling especially on Scripture as his authority in these first three responses to the question, can someone be happy in this life? He's arguing, yes, someone could be happy in this life, quoting Scripture to make the the case. But now... We get the said contra in Latin. On the contrary, quoting scripture against scripture, he says in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 1, human beings born of woman, living but a short time, have their fill of many miseries. Now happiness is incompatible with misery. Therefore, human beings in this life cannot be happy. Whoa. (laughs) What happened to the good news of Jesus? Uh, Doesn't that grant happiness? What he's talking about, not that we cannot have any glimmer of happiness, but he's saying we cannot be perfectly happy in this life because we have our fair share of misery. I'm thinking only of a couple headlines in the news that I heard earlier today. The very completely speechless, tragic, traumatic earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, claiming the lives of over 35,000 unsuspecting people. There is so much death and destruction that surrounds us that at any instant we don't know when the bell will toll for me, for you. We think of family members, what they're going through. We think of ourselves and what we're going through. Is there not a little misery that we taste, that we experience, even every day? 
And so, this being said, St. Thomas is saying human beings in this life cannot be happy. And now he fills out his argument. One can have some share in happiness in this life. Okay. But perfect and genuine happiness cannot be possessed in this life. I think this is such an important question for us. So I'm interrupting him here. Because I hear so many of my contemporaries say, I'm going to do this so I can be happy. I'm going to do that so I can be happy. And, and from my observations, I see people doing a lot of bad things in the name of happiness, a lot of irresponsible things in the name of happiness, which I think is a result of misinterpreting the essence of happiness, the very meaning and substance of happiness. There's a great difference between happiness and high emotion, a great difference between happiness and some stimulation of the flesh, a great difference between happiness and some alleged security. So St. Thomas goes on to say, we can establish this conclusion that perfect and genuine happiness cannot be possessed in this life in two ways. The first way looks at the general notion of happiness. Because happiness is a perfect and sufficient good, it excludes all evil and fulfills every desire. But in this life, it is not possible to exclude all evil. So true, isn't it? In our chase after happiness, we're haunted by this truth that we cannot do away with all evil in this life. There's going to be things that happen that are out of our control that we would describe as evil. There's going to be things that befall us that we would describe as evil that we can't change, we can't control, we can't even predict, and even if we could, we can't escape them. Indeed, he says, in this present life, it's beset by many evils that cannot be avoided. Ignorance, for example, on the part of the intellect, even. So thinking about the intellect knowing things, we can't know everything perfectly. And that's an evil. It's a deficiency. And it's troubling. Especially if you're a professor. <laughs> you're humiliated all the time. The fact that you don't know everything about everything. How about, he says, inordinate affection on the part of the appetite. We have all these desires and appetites, and we have disordered affections and, and desires. And this is a problem. This is evil. Uh, we struggle with what is called concupiscence. As we read in first letter of St. John in the New Testament, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We struggle with these temptations. In this life, we're never finished with the struggle. Finally, he says there's many punishments on the part of the body. As St. Augustine carefully explains in his work, The City of God, in Book 19, Chapter 4. So punishments on the part of the body, thinking of much suffering that we have to endure in the flesh, and again, no control over it. We get sick often. We uh, may... Uh, develop a terminal illness. What can we do about that? It's not perfect happiness, is it? <laughs> it's not perfect happiness when we accompany our loved ones in these situations. There's something terribly wrong, and we should never pretend we're perfectly happy when, in fact, we're not. 
And similarly, he says the desire for good cannot be fully satisfied in this life. So true, our desire for good cannot be fully satisfied in this life. There's something that we realize is on the other side of eternity, on the other side of death. And it's only then that we might just be perfectly happy. He goes on, you see, human beings naturally desire to retain the good that they have, but the goods of the present life are transitory, ephemeral, since life itself, which we naturally desire and would want to retain forever, since human beings naturally shrink from death, is transitory. Life itself is transitory. We shrink from death. So not even the world's richest people, billionaires, have hundreds of billions of dollars. They cannot claim they're happy. They're perfectly happy. Because at least we could say they still must die. And then what do they do with all their money? <laughs> we read this in the wisdom of Koheleth in the book of Ecclesiastes. Someone may store up all of this wealth, only to leave it to someone else. <laughs> so... For those reasons, St. Thomas says, it is impossible for anyone to possess genuine happiness in this life. That is, full, complete happiness. Not possible in this life. And the second way we can establish this conclusion takes into account the particular thing in which happiness consists, namely, and here is the punchline, Okay, so we say, St. Thomas Aquinas, you're such a downer. You say we can't be perfectly happy in this life. What is happiness to you anyways? For St. Thomas Aquinas, he teaches that the vision of the divine essence is the essence of happiness. And what is he? It's not just something we see with our eyes. It's, it's a symbolic term. The intellectual vision of the essence of God, that is knowing God. Knowing God without distraction, knowing God without obstacle, the intellect being fully immersed in God and only God, the intellect at rest in the eternal act of God. This is the essence of happiness. And we can also say right alongside the intellect's knowledge of the essence of God, what St. Thomas calls again the beatific vision, is the will loving God without distraction, without interruption, without anything pulling the will away from this perfect love of God. This is the very definition of genuine and perfect happiness. But human beings cannot achieve this in this life, which he has demonstrated in the first part of his Summa. For instance, question 12, article 2. So he says, from these considerations, it is perfectly clear that no one can attain genuine and perfect happiness in this life. So then, as St. Thomas does in all of these articles of his Summa, he goes back to answer his objections to the first statement in answer to the question, can someone be happy in this life? So he has these first three arguments that said, yes, someone can be perfectly happy in this life. And we remember that first when he quoted Psalm 118, verse 1, that says, happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now that can happen in this life, therefore someone can be happy in this life. Now he replies to that first objection. Some people are called happy in this life either because they have the hope of attaining happiness in the life to come, as in Romans 8, 24, we have been saved through hope, says St. Paul. 
or because they have some share in happiness by enjoying the highest good in some way. So he doesn't completely disagree with with that uh, first argument, but he does clarify it and qualify it there. So he does admit one can have some share in happiness in this life. Okay, he'll grant that. But perfect and genuine happiness cannot be possessed in this life. Response to that second argument that he makes at the beginning about imperfect participation in the supreme good, God still counts as happiness. He says there are two ways in which participation in happiness can be imperfect. One way is on the part of the object of happiness because it is not seen in its essence. This sort of imperfection takes away the character of true happiness. Okay, so he's saying if we don't see God perfectly in God's essence, which we don't in this life, there is something lacking in true happiness. The other way in which happiness can be imperfect, our participation in it can be imperfect, is on the part of the one who participates in the happiness, who does indeed attain the object of happiness in itself, that is God, but imperfectly by comparison with the way in which God enjoys himself. This sort of imperfection does not take away the genuine character of happiness because since happiness is an activity, which he argued earlier, the genuine character of happiness depends on the object that gives the act its species, not on the subject. So a beautiful point he makes here that happiness is not something that a human being, a creature, can achieve on his or her own. It has to be given as a gift from God, especially when God is the very object of our happiness. The Lord must give himself to us if we are to enjoy him perfectly. And that is what we mean by the theological concept of grace. We are saved by grace through faith in this grace, which too is a gift from God. And finally, his third response to his initial argument, which said that many people do talk about happiness in this life. And quoting Psalm 143, verse 15, they have called the people happy who have these things. So the fact that people speak of it, pursue it, seems to be an indication that it's possible to be perfectly happy in this life. But again, he says in response at the very end, human beings think that there is some happiness in this life because there is some likeness to true happiness, and thus they are not completely astray in their thinking. So again, just a back and forth, he, he grants some credence to this point. But again, the big distinction he makes between the likeness to true happiness and actual true happiness. This is St. Thomas Aquinas. Can someone be happy in this life? So as I read this, it's very comforting to me. Actually, it's quite reassuring because sometimes I'm disappointed that I don't consider myself to be perfectly happy in this life, even though I would consider myself to be quite happy with my knowledge of God by His grace, my love for God by the same grace, by all the blessings that fill my life, this Catholic faith and my family and good friends and the gift of a beautiful job teaching philosophy and theology, getting to do things like this for my very job. So many blessings I thank God for today. I'm healthy, doing well. But at the same time, 
<laughs> I feel beset by those miseries that Job reminds us of, that we live but a short time and our life is full of miseries. I can look back on my life and the miseries really are without number. There's many. And I worry about miseries to come. But this is where we go to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And St. Thomas is a witness to Christ throughout all this very wonderful philosophical theology. At the end of his own life, St. Thomas, who had written so much, preached so much, taught so much, had a vision of God. God saying to him, what more do you ask of me, Thomas? What more could I give to you? And we have this Latin reply from St. Thomas, non nisi te domine, nothing but you, O Lord. So even in his life, in the heights of his mystical life of prayer, St. Thomas recognized that the only thing that could grant true, perfect, complete happiness was this intellectual vision of the divine essence, God in God's self, the divine substance, that is the only really real kind of being in this universe of being. Because it alone is uncreated, it alone is uncaused, it alone is perfect, it alone is pure act, it alone is perfect love. Nothing else can grant that perfect happiness to us. Again, as St. Augustine said, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Quote, never gets old. So I'm reassured in these musings of St. Thomas Aquinas because I'm reminded that the consummation of the happiness that I pursue with all my being is on the hindsight of death into eternal life which is this gift from God, resurrected life. And that is where I need to let my treasure remain and not go looking for it in so many futile and disappointing, dissatisfying places. So may we not give up on our passionate pursuit of happiness, but at the same time, may we not be led to believe that our perfect happiness can be attained in this life. For, as St. Thomas says, quoting St. Augustine, Beatitudo est gaudium de veritate. Happiness is joy in truth. And he also says that we will take part in the feasts of angels, not merely by contemplating the angels, but by contemplating God in their company. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness 